Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. In the American church, I have noticed a growing gaping hole between the generations. You know, older women often feel just disconnected and irrelevant to younger women. And women of my generation can easily be intimidated by modern technology, navigating social media. It's really easy for many of us to just feel out of touch. And a lot of younger women feel like they're doing just fine on their own and don't see the need for biblical mentorship. But there are many that I talk to who find that when they ask an older woman to mentor them, they get turned down. Younger women are out there on their own, as we were when we were young, for many of us, navigating as best they can, but desperate for help from someone who's been there and done that. We need each other, Mama. The older women need the younger, and the younger women need the older. I know we're quite aware the world is changing, and it's getting darker by the minute. And I've concluded that we are a much more powerful force against the enemy together than we are apart. So let's talk about why we need to bridge the generation gap today. What's the big deal about it? Well, God tells us to. It's not just a nice thought. It's a command, not a suggestion. The Apostle Paul calls it sound doctrine. So our goal in this episode is to encourage the hearts of both the older and the younger women and give you some strategies to help you connect and share creative ways to just bridge our massive gap between the generations. Now, our foundational scripture will be Titus 2, 3 through 5, and I'd like to read it to you just so you have an understanding of what this episode is all about. The older women, likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God might not be blasphemed. So there's a lot of heavy stuff there, ladies. There's a lot to unpack. And, you know, we could take several episodes to go through this subject, but let's focus on the most critical aspects of Paul's command to us. To get started, in addition to what Paul says here, what are some other qualities of sound biblical mentorship? Well, I think we want to be really careful about adding to what Scripture says, but I think that there are a few places in both the Old and the New Testament that point to the need for modeling humility. I think of Philippians 2, 3 through 4, being very vulnerable in our struggles and in our sins, um, and that comes from James five sixteen. Having a life of prayer, Philippians 4, 7. And being productive in our responsibilities, being industrious, like consider the ant thou sluggard. We need to push back on the hot mess mama culture of this world. And that comes from 1 Thessalonians 4.11. So those are just a couple of thoughts that I had. You know, I like to think of Naomi and Ruth. That's probably one of my favorite stories in the Bible, just because Naomi was kind of a reluctant mentor to Ruth. You know, she was going back to her land. She was bitter. She was just done with everything she'd been experiencing and she was going home. But Ruth wasn't going to let her go. Ruth had seen something in her that so stirred her. She said, I have to go with you no matter what. I love that it says that one daughter-in-law, Orpah, said, okay, I'm out of here. But Ruth clung to her, the Bible says. And I love that, that she was a clinger. And I think for for mentors, 
we want them to cling to us. You know, we want to be that woman of God that that they say, I have to have what you have. I have to understand where you're at. And not just in becoming a Christian. Typically, most of the gals we mentor are going to already be in the church, though some may not and may just want our wisdom. But to have that attitude of really seeing enough in you that they want you to pour into their lives. And, and that's my goal, typically with the women that I'm with, just that they want what I have. That's one of the qualities for me, probably the most important one of good biblical mentorship. In a perfect world, older women should strive to develop those close friendships with younger women. So do you ladies have any examples of how you've mentored or been mentored over the years and the benefits that you saw in your lives? I've had a few I've had a few close mentors in my life. I uh, most of them did not say I want to mentor you or I didn't say will you be my mentor. It was more of a relationship that grew into a discipleship um relationship where I actually learned more from spending time with them, observing, learning their habits and seeing their impact on other people around them. But um, it wasn't a, an agreement on mentorship. So I think, you know, sometimes in the mentorship world, the Titus II world, you know, the crossover is, um, it's a tricky situation because we can have mentors that we've chosen, like we've come into an agreement with a relationship. And then we have Titus II women that we're mentoring or being mentored by just by living life with them. And I've had that blessing. And then in return, I have just hosted mom mentor groups in my home. So that looked like, you know, 10 to 50 women once a month. And then we would, I would make sure we had a mix of Titus two women and other women that were of different age demographics. And it was a model of mentorship. And we discussed all, all of the things that I myself was mentored in. And then we did an, you know, an inductive Bible study. We talked about hospitality. We talked about all the things in life that we're always searching for that we want to cling to or learn to do better. And I've had two really distinct mentors in my life, and I've talked about both of them here on the show before. They walked alongside me for several years. One of them I was partnered and paired up with in a mentorship ministry that my church was doing. And then our relationship kind of grew even past that and beyond that. And another was just a woman who had a heart for younger women, and she continued to put herself in their path, inviting us um, in small groups to her home and reaching out, being very intentional. And I've since moved away from those relationships just because I have moved to a new town. And so our relationships have naturally shifted. I actually think that's important to say that um, mentorship sometimes can just be for a season. Like maybe God just brings a certain person into your life for this present moment, and it, it might not go on for the longevity of your life, but um, for that moment, they were they played an integral part. I think what's really interesting to me about both of those relationships with both of those women, neither one of them were anything like me or even had very similar home situations like mine. One was a professional who worked outside the home and was a big advocate for public school. And then the other was kind of a crunchy granola mama at a time when I really knew nothing about clean living or eating. She was a quiet introvert and actually had three daughters and no sons. So on paper, we were so vastly different. But I think that's why God brought us together. I didn't need mentors in my life at that time who would agree with me at every turn. 
I needed ones who would challenge me and grow me in areas that maybe I had become stale in or maybe were non-existent in my life. I don't know. I think that it's important to look at mentorship differently than we do our friendships. Now, I think a mentor and a mentee can grow into friendship or, or even have been friends beforehand, but that's not the primary goal. I think a mentor and a mentee relationship should be iron sharpening iron. And then the street really does go both ways. In me reaching for an older woman, like a Kate in September, I'm, I'm looking for their wisdom. And then when they partner with me to provide that wisdom, hopefully I'm, you know, giving them some renewed energy and giving them a, a new perspective in some things in the culture that maybe they, they need to see a new perspective on. I love that, Jamie. I, I totally agree that it's a great idea to mentor people that aren't like you, you know, if, it, if God works that out. But I, I also want to mention that mentoring can take a lot of different forms. I mean, I think it's amazing to have a group of women and Bible studies and stuff like that. But sometimes it's just having a cup of coffee once a week or once a month, getting together on a simpler basis. That's typically how I've done it, where I build a friendship, but it's still based on helping them with whatever that question is that they're asking. I'm, I'm trying not to ask. I'm trying not to tell a lot about myself, but find out about them. Ask those questions. And that that has really helped me just in that a little bit different way of mentoring. But there are many ways that we can do it. There's even online mentoring, which we haven't, I think we should chat a little bit about because there are a lot of us that go, you know, to somebody's profile and they're taking a look and they think, man, I'm getting a lot of answers from this person, which is great. You can definitely do that. But I prefer the face-to-face, the one-on-one that's worked well for me. And I think it's the primary way we should be considering mentoring. And I just want to highlight something September said a few episodes ago, and I don't even remember what we were chatting about, but this statement has stayed with me. It's just been mulling over in my head. September, you said, sometimes mentorship comes through a series of conversations with lots of different people. Like you you piece together, there might not be this one like all-inclusive mentor that is everything you need, you know, in this one person. You might glean a little bit from this woman, a little bit from that woman, a little bit from this other woman. And together, over time and through a series of conversations, God is guiding you to that Titus II life. And that was so helpful for me. Yeah, I love that. And I think, too, that older women are going to help younger women with advice, with things that they've gone through in their lives. But younger women can really refresh us. You know, they're giving us a whole different perspective that. I'm, you know, I'm not in my 60s. So I talked to a girl in her 30s. She's had lived a very different life. She's been raised in a different world than I was raised in. So she can help me understand that a lot better, just with all the things, social media, everything. She can really help me just understanding that generation a lot better. So let's talk about why do you think we're not mentoring? And, and honestly, I think if anyone who's younger than you, you can mentor anyone who's older than you can mentor you. It doesn't have to be my age mentoring a 40-year-old. It can be, I, I need the 80-year-old woman to help me. And I know that if you're 30, you can be mentoring the younger girls that, you know, if you're a, a young mom and they're maybe pregnant, you can help them get through those things. But why do you think we aren't mentoring? Because typically the older women in the church just are not fulfilling Paul's command. 
I feel like, and I've said this many times in, you know, my writing and probably even here on our podcast, I think two things are happening and then I'll address something else after this. But one of the things with the younger generation, I know for a fact that they, and I'm not lumping myself into this younger generation, so I'm using the word they, but they think that the older women don't understand them. They think that they're older women might be judging them because everything is so different. There's so many changes since the older generation has have had a family or been married in the younger years. And so those two things. So this is not truth always, but I think it's a it's a lie maybe that this generation has believed or they have experienced sadly. So they feel judged by the older generation and they feel like they aren't understood. And then the older generation, I've heard I've heard these words, you know, they're tired or they've done their time. And so those two things, you put those two things together, there's this huge gap in the Titus 2 discipleship. And it's really, honestly, if we if we boil it down, it's really fear that is keeping those two generations from connecting because there's these thoughts or these ideals that one thinks one way, the other thinks the other way. And it takes a really humble yet courageous woman to step into that gap. And I think humility and courage go together. Like for a woman to say, you know, I I know that older woman is struggling. She's the widow now. And I'm, I want to speak into her life. And she's young. It's hard for a young person to step into that place. Or for an older woman to say, I see that mom struggling, but she probably doesn't want to hear what I have to say. To push past that thought and to, and to be brave and to be humble and say, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And sometimes that's just a little bit of a bridge that it takes. You know, you could be bold or you can just kind of bridge slow relationships, approaching someone in church or, but I think it's just those two different generations and demographics that believe those things that keep that interaction from happening. I want to just mention, based on what you said, Kate, about age, I do think in general, when we're speaking in generalities, it definitely is the older as far as age woman who is, you know, called, uh, commanded in scripture to turn around to the younger woman. But I also want to just say that sometimes it's not necessarily chronological age. Sometimes it's faith age. Because if I've been walking with the Lord for, say, 20 or 30 years, and maybe I'm only, you know, 35 or 40 or whatever it is, and I, and I develop a relationship with a 50, 60-year-old woman who just came to know the Lord, what a what a gift that can be because the 50 and 60 year old woman can turn around and get provide some great practical wisdom for just living life whereas the younger woman who has been walking with the lord for a bit can then inspire and encourage um some spiritual growth in the older woman so i think that's something to keep in mind too i think part of the reason to your question that younger women are not being mentored is that they're not looking out or even holding space in their lives for real life mentors and now Now, hear me. I know this is like a gross generalization. I think that there's such a plethora of readily available information on the Internet that say maybe if I wanted to learn how to make homemade salsa and to can it, I could just go online and read an article or I could watch a YouTube video. So why would I need to seek out a real person? We are just oversaturated with head knowledge as young women, that we think we don't need mentors because we already have the information. 
But I think that in doing that, we're really missing out on some of the relational aspects that make mentorship such a kingdom-minded calling. On the flip side, I think online mentors have made many real-life older women a little gut-shy. You know, the real-life women like the Kates and the Septembers who have lived miles and are very seasoned and have things to share, they might not be experts in a skill. They might not have a certification or a bunch of letters behind their name in a particular area. And so they think, well, I can't possibly teach that to a younger woman um, because they could just find a better option, you know, from an expert online. But let's remember that the internet is a microculture that rarely shows the breadth and the depth of the true Christian life. It create curated decisions. You know, you get to see what online folks are doing, but you rarely get to see what they haven't done. You get to see an online mentor's wins, but you don't always get to view her and how she reacts in the waiting. We don't get to see the character in that. As a woman who spent years encouraging women online, I assure you, I can tell you for a fact, the internet can be a gift. It can be a helpful place especially in certain seasons of a woman's life where, you know, real life mentorship just isn't available. It can introduce us to topics that maybe we've not learned about before in order to prime the pump for learning more from a real life mentor. And I do think that it can be a a helpful tool for the broader church, for like missionaries on foreign fields or who are living in unreached areas without a lot of Christian influence or resources. So the internet can be a gift for those reasons. But I think that we would do well to remember it's a secondary tool. It's not the primary source for what we need to be reaching for. We need to be seeking out these real life mentors in our lives so that we have that relational piece, that accountability. I love that, Jamie. They're not seeing the messy side. You know, they're just not seeing the truth of what your life is really like. Everything looks beautiful, like you said, curated. And, you know, I have a friend to go back to the age thing. I have a friend, a gal in our life group who's 80 years old, but she is a recent widow. She's not known how to deal with all that. I have been able to really encourage her. And she's been thinking, you know, what have I done? I have, God has no future for me. And I'm thinking, yes, he does. You know, Abraham was old when things started really happening for him. Moses was 80 years old. So I've really encouraged her that there's more, you know, there's just a lot more to life. But I think one of the things that really bothers me is we have age-specific everything. We have the group from 18 to 30. We have the older women, the 40s to 60s, whatever. We don't marry them in the church. And I would love to see a women's group who has all those ages because we all learn from each other. I learn just as much from the younger women as they learn from me. Interested in homeschooling? Classical Conversations can help you lead your child to a world of possibilities by equipping you with a proven curriculum and support from a local community of homeschool families. You're their first teacher. Be their best teacher. Learn how to make homeschooling doable at classicalconversations.com forward slash mom to mom. That's classicalconversations.com forward slash mom to mom. Most adults would never let a toddler play by a swimming pool unattended. And yet, every day, so many tweens and teens have unfettered access to smartphones. Why is that? 
If I were to guess, it's because as parents, we want to be able to get a hold of our kids and provide a way for them to get a hold of us. We see a smartphone as a way to keep them safe. Ironically, according to the most recent data from the National Library of Medicine, smartphones are actually doing the very opposite. Researchers have concluded that as culture continues to toss tweens and teens into the deep end of the internet with no life raft, the number of teens showing signs of depression has risen by 33% and teen suicides by 31%. What if I told you there was a way to keep in contact with your kids while also keeping them safe from the harmful effects of the internet? Well, there is. It's called the Gab Phone. With a Gab Phone, your kids can call, text, and take pictures, but the devices aren't connected to the internet in any way. Now, with the new Gab Plus, they can stream kids-safe music, send images, and participate in group texts with additional options for parent-enabled apps, too. And yet, still no internet access. That means that you can send your tween or teen out the door to after-school jobs, sports practice, or youth group, and rest a bit easier knowing you can get a hold of them and they can get a hold of you. You can keep them both physically and emotionally safe. To learn more or to snag a Gab phone or watch for your tween or teen, head to gab.com and use promo code mom to mom at checkout. That's G-A-B-B dot com, promo code M-O-M-T-O-M-O-M at checkout. And I have to ask the question, if you're particularly an older woman, if you're not mentoring, if you're not following Titus 2, you have to ask yourself why. We really don't get the excuse of, you know, it's just uncomfortable or they they can't learn anything from me or I don't want to, I just don't want to take the time. I'm just, you know, I figured it out. They're going to figure it out. And those are not valid excuses. So if you're not seeking out a younger woman or if a younger woman asks you to mentor her to just go with her for lunch or something, say yes, because you have something to offer her, especially if she's asking you, she sees something in you that she wants to learn and wants to understand. So do you know what I hear you saying in all of that, Kate, as a younger woman? And and some listening might say, you're not a, a young woman anymore, Jamie. Um, but on this show, I'm the I'm the young woman. So speaking from a young woman's perspective, I can hear you say it is helpful and actually helps an older woman grow when a younger woman seeks you out because it gives the older woman value. It reminds her God still got a purpose and a point for me. I, I remember when my father passed away and my mother was left as a widow, she said those same things. Like, I don't even know why I'm here anymore. Like, I don't, I don't even have a purpose or a point. There's no reason to continue. But then she saw, hey, I am needed. People are still needing me. And that alone was worth her putting her feet on the floor every single morning and getting out of bed. Sometimes we younger women need remember that our job is to remind the older women, God still got work for you to do. Amen. And I want the older women that are listening to, to remember that, that God put you on this earth for a reason. I don't believe any of us are here for no, with no purpose, especially in this time in history. We were saved for now. We weren't born in the 1800s. We're born now where things are really being stirred up and Lord knows what's coming next. But we're here because we have that experience and we can help to bring that to a younger woman. Well, for another thing to think about, 
there is a growing bias about teaching womanly skills. You know, women are often looked down on for considering children a blessing rather than annoying hindrance or for having lots of kids. I mean, September, I'm sure you've dealt with this where people, you're going to have more. I mean, they do that to my daughter. She's got six kids. And for her and her husband, they are waiting for the Lord to show them if there's another child, should they adopt? They're not trying to limit you know, like I hear so many women say, and and this might be fine for them, but well, I've got to, I couldn't handle anymore. I always think that, you know, that's the only blessing in the Bible that people don't want. When God said children are a blessing, it's like, well, yeah, but I have enough. That That's enough blessing. But if it were money or health or anything like that, give me all you can give me. So that just, that kind of bugs me. But so we look down on that. We look down on the fact of to obey your husband that he's the head of the household. That's a tough one today because feminism is really causing many to abandon sound doctrine versus teaching biblical womanhood. So how do you two kind of deal with that? And and what are your thoughts about that? I mean, I have a lot to say about this. This might be a a great whole new episode, but I think that just, you know, concisely today, the first thing that comes to my mind is that the Bible has become relative. Like it's not truth anymore to people. It's just something to use for convenience. And so if you are just to get down to the root in the nitty gritty, I think that's really what it is, you know, and it's become something people have made relative to their life and they pick and choose. And so that's, you know, my bottom line. I do want to say to the woman listening, if you have chosen a path of motherhood and a blessing upon your home and your marriage and choosing to define femininity in a biblical role, I want you to know that it's great. It's amazing. It's fulfilling. It's exactly what God had intended for us as women and more. And there is no confinement, no restraints. It's an abundant life. And I've lived that life. And I've lived that life plus. And I think to me, that's what has happened. It's either or. Women think you choose this and you don't get anything else and that it's not blessing, that it's it's a role that you choose and your life is basically over. And we forget that part that God blesses us in those obedient decisions. And so just from someone who has chosen that path of truth and sound doctrine and biblical womanhood, it's been the biggest joy of my life. And it's not because just that's me. I was called to that because I'm different from another woman. That's because that's what I've been called to as a woman in the Bible. What I think we don't see is, or often don't see, is that what we're pouring into our children, they're the ones that are going to be leading this world. And that can be world-changing. You know, I'm a big believer in that and believing that our children can change the world. But another thing, I think, you know, it's very convenient to tear those pages out of the Bible that you don't like. A lot of churches don't teach how important it is to read the Word. It's, It's a scary statistic of how few Christians are actually reading the word. So so it's easy to do that. I mean, I, I just find that kind of scares me. And that because then you can say, God is love. I hear that all the time. I hear it in Christian music that he's love. Well, he is love. But if we're not reading the word and we don't fully understand who he is, it's easy to forget that, yes, he's love, but he's also a stern judge. There are a lot of things God is that beyond love. So it just bothers me that we narrow it down. We narrow God to this one thing and we forget the other things, all the other attributes. 
Right. And I think to September's point, you know, I have a personal relationship with September and can see she stewards her home so well. But then she also turns around and ministers too. Like like she was saying, I think we have such a narrow view that if you choose to value the home and value your ministry as a wife and a mother, then you can't then also do these other things. God never says you can't have other ministries, other callings. I think the key is that they shouldn't come at at a cost to your, your home. Anytime we view the work of home as unnecessary or less important, I think we leave trails of brokenness in the wake. I think it's always interesting too, to me, how society will champion a woman who, you know, say organizes and executes successful projects in the workplace and leads a team of workers, creates and builds something useful, feeds the hungry, and the list can go on and on and on. We champion that out there. But when a woman wants to do those very same things within her house to benefit her husband and children, well, suddenly she's just wasting her potential or she's become a doormat. I'm glad you said that, Jamie, because I am seeing a lot more accounts on Instagram, for example, where they are valuing the home. They are valuing the role of mom, of womanhood, of wife. And I love that I am seeing that begin to grow. So there seems to be a, a little bit of a backlash against what you're saying, which I'm glad to see. Well, this is a question that really, that speaks to me, particularly because I'm not always great at this, but James says the tongue is the hardest part of the body to control. And Paul instructs us not to be slanderers, not to be gossip. So how has this affected you in your own lives? And what are some ways we can get our tongues and our words under control? You know, this, I'm just going to say this because this is such a powerful piece of mentorship, but I want to kind of piggyback this answer I'm going to share with the last question. And I feel like part of what's happened in today's culture with feminism and biblical womanhood is the power of the tongue. Even those of us who have chosen to stay home or chosen something different than someone else are complaining. Our spirit of woe is me, our drudgery in the mundane, all of the hard has an impact on those watching and listening and making decisions for their future. Women have told me, young women, why would I even choose motherhood when all I hear is the negativity and the hardship all of you are experiencing? And I thought, this is the power of the tongue in mentoring. So if we have been chosen to something and we receive the call and we have chosen motherhood or staying at home or raising our family, biblical womanhood, whether we're working inside or outside the home, whatever it is, the power of our tongue and the testimony of what we've been called to is a form of mentorship. Amen and amen. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to add to that because I think we can end that question right there. I love that, September. You know what, what I see a lot on Instagram? Have you ever seen those t-shirts say, mama needs a glass of wine or mama needs this because motherhood is so hard and it wears me out that I've just got to do this. And, and motherhood is hard, but the value and the end results are going to be positive. So let's start a revolution. If you're hearing this right now, let's start a revolution of shouting the joys of motherhood. And, and I think to your point, Kate, I am seeing the tide turning on Instagram. I think a lot in part because of the fallout that has happened when we have abdicated our roles as mothers, or even just like September was saying, our constant naysaying about it. But I think that it it warrants a call, a shout out. Let's be women who declare the good things of motherhood, even in the midst of hard. It's it's not 
um, it's not dismissing or pretending or ignoring that motherhood isn't hard. We're all moms. We know it's hard, but it's still good. It is still good. And I think another thing James talks about is to love our husbands. We can do the same thing with marriage and tear it down on how hard it is. And my husband's this, that, and the other thing. But if we lift them up in our homes, but also online to try to let other women know that, hey, this is a God-ordained thing and it's a good thing. Of course, we have to work at it, but we can present a positive message if we have the chance whenever we can. I realize there's some marriages that, you know, they're just things that are tough to overcome. But that's a separate category. This is for the typical family, the ma- the woman who loves her husband. But he can be a challenge. My husband can be a challenge. But I'm not going to necessarily put that out online. I want to uplift him. I think that's a call for exactly what we're talking about, Kate. Mentorship. Because when you build up those relationships, you have a safe place to go to with those concerns, with the frustration. It's a safe place. A woman who will actually pray for and with you, who will um, give you some sound advice as opposed to just like word vomiting on social media about how hard it is. Like mentorship is actually proactively improving the situation for you and your home. Exactly. We've talked about this a little bit, the different forms that mentoring can take. You know, it doesn't have to be formal Bible study. It doesn't have to be just one-on-one. All of those things are fine, but I think we might fear that we don't have a handle on exactly what this looks like. So if you two have any other tips, just basic practical day-to-day things we can be doing to mentor. I think one thing, and you've kind of touched on this a little bit, Kate, is to be available to women who are not in your season. You know, during the meet and greet time in church, don't just automatically rush over to your friends that are familiar and comfortable. I understand the need and desire for that, but seek out some of those younger women. Seek out an older woman. Go find the single woman. I'm actually having a a friend come over tonight for dinner. She's a single gal, probably 15 years my junior. On paper, we don't really have a whole lot in common, but we're forming a friendship and a relationship. I wouldn't call it a formal mentorship, but I know that in her stepping into my home as often as she does, she's observing things that we're doing. I don't even need to use a lot of words because she's seeing the Christian life lived out sometimes in clunky ways, sometimes a bad modeling of the Christian life, but then she also gets to see the restoration part. I do want to share just a couple of resources really quickly because I think this is this is a topic that comes up a lot. Like women say, I want to mentor or be men- mentored, but I've never done it before. I don't know where to start. So here are three resources that I think um, you can turn to to get the the wheels going. The first is called Growing Together, Taking Mentorship Beyond Small Talk and Prayer Requests. And it's by Melissa Kruger. It's a book that you can actually go through in a multi-generational way with an older woman or a younger woman. Um, And then Disciple Her Using the Word, Work, and Wonder of God to Invest in Women by Candy Galaxy. And lastly, this is a new book from one of the podcast um, friends, Tea Time Discipleship, Sharing Faith One Cup at a Time by Sally Clarkson. So those are three books that you can turn to right away to give you some good direction, whether you're one of the older women or one of the younger women. One other thing I'm thinking, I love that you said, you know, at church, go over to that younger woman or that older woman. And we're at a fairly new new to us church. And I've been able to do that, to really reach out, particularly to some younger women who started coming to our life group. And I love that, that they're wanting to be around my husband and I to kind of get 
part of what we're doing and what we've done. So I think that's a really great idea to see who's just in your church. Also, who are your neighbors and your friends? So in our Western culture, we live such a different culture than in throughout history and ages past, even in other like Eastern cultures. Women aren't necessarily taught any particular skills in those Eastern cultures. They just do life together. They live in multi-generational communities with lots of extended family kind of cohabitating together. They just reach out naturally to women in different age groups of life. And, and that's something that is lost here in our Western culture where we don't have those multi-generational ways of living, those cohabitating ways. It's easy to stay in our bubble. You know, it's easy to stay in that little safe space that we have our friends. We know, you know, it's all there and that's all we need. But that's not what we're supposed to be doing. And I hope this conversation has encouraged you ladies to step out, mentor or be mentored. It's only going to be a positive part of your life. It's going to lift you up. It's going to build you up. God gave me this acronym a few years ago, and I think it really beautifully describes the mentoring relationship. He gave me the word invest, and I've broken it down like this. I instruct. We can do that as we mentor. N, nurture. Just really nurture and help those relationships. V, venerate. Tell her what she's doing well. Encourage her. All those areas where you see positive change. E, encourage. That's part of venerate. S, stay. Stick around. Even if it gets hard, try not to leave that relationship unless there's a real valid reason to do so. And T, treasure. Treasure those relationships. Treasure that woman that you're speaking to and treasure the woman who's speaking to you if you're being mentored. Treasure her wisdom and what she can share with you. I think it's easy to become numb to the women all around us who, no matter what their age, they need the life lessons and the wisdom God has given us. It really doesn't matter how old or young we are. We are all older or younger than someone. So think about who is that woman in your life God is showing you right now. She has a name, a life, a story, a face, hopes and dreams, and trials and sorrows like all of us. The women God puts in our paths are worthy of our sacrifice, our service, and our commitment, and they're in our path for a reason. God has put them there because he wants us to pour into them or he wants them to pour into us. They need us to wash their feet, to serve them, to love them, challenge them, teach them, listen to them, laugh and cry with them, all those things. They need us and we need them. So imagine what would change in the church and in the world if we committed to be in relationship with the women all around us. So those are some thoughts for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, our website. We would love to hear from you. So reach out and we will reach back to you.